0: This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by WealthFest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, your hosts, Drew Dawkin and Grant Collins, will have an in depth conversation about what's happening in the market.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Drew Dawkin. This is the WealthFest Weekly Bull and Bear, Season 2, Episode 20. Today is April 20th, 2020. What happened in the market today is that the Dow dropped 592 points or 2.44%, ending the day at 23,650. The S&P 500 dropped 51.40 points, so it was down 1.79%, ending the day at uh, 2,823. Um, we saw the VIX go up 14.89%, ending the day at 4383 in terms of bonds, they were largely unchanged at the course of the end of the day, ending at 0.616% on the U.S. 10-year. And, um, and what really caused a big part of the sell-off was oil. Um, we saw, you know, a sharp, sharp declines actually going into negatives. Um, a lot of it contracts expired at the same time. Boeing fell more than 6% in shares. Uh, Chevron and ExxonMobil dropped more than 4% each. And then when we're looking at a sector basis, energy, real estate, and utilities were some of the worst performing. They all fell more than 3% each. Uh, Grant, let's talk a little bit about oil and the expiring contracts. Well,
2: I, they're going to have to start paying me to start filling up my car here with, with oil finally going into the negative. But uh, overall, we're, we're still seeing, as we talked about last week, the really the cratering in demand and increasing supply uh, taking its toll on the on the oil market. And then today, with with a large number of future contracts uh, actually expiring today, and, and uh, buyers of those actually having to to take uh, physical ownership of oil, it r- really started to, to drive the price continuing down. Uh, I think it's going to going to stay like this for foreseeable future until we see the the economy reopen and the oil demand really start to surge. Uh, I don't know the last time I've I've seen oil under two bucks, so I'm a a fan, but I know a lot of the uh, oil companies out in North Dakota and and Texas and uh, everywhere else are are really starting to suffer. So hopefully they can uh, weather the storm because this would be a national security threat if if we uh, no longer can can produce oil and uh, some of our companies go, go belly up. Um, but, you know, overall, I think we're going to continue to see uh, oil and oil companies uh, continue to, to drop in stock. Uh, that said, I think the overall market is re- really built into to the recession uh, in March, which is why we saw such a steep drop. Uh, so it's already been priced into the market. Uh, overall, the market right now is really focused on uh, tests. So test if you have the virus and also antibody tests and then vaccine uh, I think that's going to be the main driver of, of, the, of the market in, in the coming months. Um, and, and so be on the lookout for, for news about those and, and spikes in the market.
1: Yeah, we saw the U.S. oil funds, which is tracking the price of various oil future contracts, that fell by around 10%. Despite the sell-off today, things look much better than they did over the last couple of weeks even when we're looking at Monday's sharp decline, the Dow still up 29% above the uh, the March 23rd inter- trade day low. And when we're looking at the S&P 500 uh, from the lows, that's since bounced up 28.8%. But I mean, you're right when you say a lot of this still has to t- come from the nudes of, uh, and this is actually new from last week. We didn't discuss this, but Gilead and a lot of the medical breakthroughs, but what will eventually be a catalyst again? Potentially is obviously the economic data. So in terms of medical tech and um, some of the numbers associated with the coronavirus, that's gotten a lot stronger. But the economic data is is is, is continues to get worse, and it was actually worse than our initial Wall Street estimates uh, when we're looking at March. You know, consumer and manufacturing reports for March showed that it was quite a bit deeper than we thought. March retail sales fell more than 8.7 percent, which is the most ever uh, when we're looking at government data, and we, we've seen other you know declines across the board, like industrial production slipped you know 5.4 percent, and that represented the largest decline since 1946. So, when we're looking at the fundamentals, I'd say uh, there's still you know quite a bit more you know negative news to come.
2: I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a great point is we're seeing a lot of the economic data come out and uh, it's some of the worst that we, we've seen uh, in, in 50 years, as you mentioned, and I think we're going to continue to see that. Just to put the retail sales into perspective, the, the largest drop in a month during the Great Recession in 2008 was right around 4%. So we did double that. Uh, and then the largest decline uh, for an 8% decline was in Q4 of 2008, but that was over three months. So we we're seeing uh, you know, drastic decreases in sales, and it it really makes sense because no one's buying anything. So no cars, no houses. People aren't going out to eat or the movies. Um, so you know, I think April's really going to see the see the worst of it because 90% of states are in this shelter-in-place <clears throat> for maybe the last four to six weeks. Uh, so I, I think we're really going to continue to to see it as really the only sign of activity is in grocery stores and, and beverage stores. Um, so, you know, you, you gotta keep eating and, and drinking, drinking all those cold ones. But other than that, I, I don't really see, I think we're, April's going to be worse than March data.
1: Yeah. I mean, the consumer is 70% of the economy. Like you alluded to, right. Uh, food and beverage was obviously up. Uh, general merchandise was up. But then when we're looking at, you know, furniture and home furnishing, that's down over 26%. Um you know, motor vehicles and parts is down over 25%. Clothing and accessories is down over 50%. So, you know, there's a lot of bleeding across a wide segment of categories when we're looking at, you know, retail. Um, you know, home building sentiments also fallen. Uh but, but also importantly, I mean, when we're looking at uh, some of the manufacturing data, uh, the Empire State manufacturing data, which is looking at, you know New York regionally that dropped that 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 collapsed to negative seventy eight point two percent in April. so you know that's the worst in the history of the reading um, and it's and it's you know more than double the worst that happened during the Great Recession. So we're seeing manufacturing you know also take some heavy heavy losses
2: yeah, and if we think about the the Empire State manufacturing index it's it's really looking at New York greater area. Uh, and no real surprise there because New York has really been the, the epicenter in the United States. Uh, we're seeing some analysts say that the ISM manufacturing index could fall to, to 35% this month. Um, and remember, you know, below 50 is a contraction. So we'll be significantly uh, in the contraction reading. Uh, but uh, as you mentioned uh, the, from the, all different indicators and, and indices that we use to really get a grasp of where the US economy is today. They're all signaling that, that we're in a, in a full blown recession. And, and uh, you know, moving forward, I think we're going to continue to see some, some pretty um, eye opening, staggering numbers, uh, even moving forward with, uh, with a lot of the funding that we're still seeing coming from, uh, from Washington.
1: Yeah, I mean, you see. Roughly 59% of companies say they have fewer employees. Uh, I mean, 77% of companies have said that the new orders have fallen. Uh, 66 or 76 have reported a decline in shipments. And then over half have, you know, said that their average work week, they, they've cut hours as well. So, um, you know, that's just really kind of the start of it. So, I mean, when, when you're looking at manufacturing, um, that's that's apparent. But of course, you know, we other hit another milestone, which is that we've erased all the job gains uh, since the Great Recession. Um, so, you know, it, within four weeks, functionally, we've lost all the jobs that we had created over the past 11 years.
2: It's it's pretty crazy to think that that is able to happen. Uh, you know, 22 uh, million jobs were created since call it. 2009 and and in the first four weeks here, we we lost 22 million. Um, And then if we think about the jobs lost from peak to trough in the Great Recession, just under 9 million there. So um, it will be interesting to see how the uh, PPP program works if if companies will begin to start adding uh, or or bringing back some of these furloughed uh, or laid off workers in order to to have PPP. or, or the loan forgiveness on that program. Uh, and if we think about maybe opening up some parts of the economy towards the, the end of this month or, or maybe in June, uh, how, how fast some of those jobs get added. Uh, but it's it's remarkable how fast that uh, we we're seeing the, the uh, loss of jobs across the, across the nation. Uh, and, and it could continue to happen as we see uh, businesses who Aren't having any revenue stream begin to to close their doors, uh, especially as we get into the summer months.
1: Yeah, we won't know what the actual job rate was for April until uh, May 8th. So right now we can only speculate on all the analysis we've we're bringing up. But you know, it's 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 clearly one of the largest largest declines and the worst fall uh, since since March 2009. And when yeah,
2: and I, 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 I just think a, a a big piece too is is you know how many people are going to be rehired when the economy starts as well. Like that's a big question. Some analysts are saying that the unemployment rate will come down uh, more quickly than than with a normal economic re- recession and in a recovery. Uh, but it's it's how quickly we'll rehire and and will jobs try will companies try and be more clean and, and more efficient and, and not rehire uh, a lot of the employees that they once had.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and another factor we, you know, we should be looking at is a home builder sentiment that suffered its worst monthly drop in the index's 35 year history. Uh, the building confidence for market of single family homes dropped 42 points. Uh, so the reading, the April reading was 30. This is the lowest since you know June two thousand and twelve uh for the h for these h m i um readings, it's important to note that they were expected to drop down to fifty five anything you know above fifty is considered positive, so you know the that reading of thirty is significantly significantly lower than what many analysts had expected
2: and if you look at it regionally it's it's across the board right so uh, in the Northeast, it fell by 45 points to 19. In the Midwest, it dropped by 42 points to 25. In the South, it dropped from 42 points to 34. And in the West, it dropped from 47 points to 32. So just overall, uh, across the board, we're seeing uh, you know, the last negative reading since June in 2014. But overall, I, I think we could see an a impact on the on the overall housing market as well. Um, and And that really brings up then the... Uh, business aid, um, as we think about, as we mentioned there, the PPP, the, the $349 billion in aid um, that was approved uh, is now seems like uh, it's pretty much come and gone. And, and it was a first come, first serve basis. So hopefully um, we'll see the White House and, and the Democrats and the Republicans in Washington be able to, to increase that funding limit. But what are your overall thoughts on how the the small business administration and business aid has, has come out of Washington, Drew.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a great first stab at it. Um, I mean, you know, the initial rescue program of the $349 billion uh, lapsed on Thursday. Uh, But, you know, in terms of um, what they did initially, I I do think it was, it was quite beneficial and it was a good, you know, first aggressive um, step I mean, there was more than 1.3 million loans that were given in approval. You know, at that value of you know 296 million uh, or 96 billion uh, earlier uh, this last week. Uh, so it went it went quickly. I know a lot of companies will be able to rehire employees that they have furloughed, um, and it's really going to keep you know essential businesses um, you know afloat. When we're looking at small businesses in particular, they represent 47% of all workers in the economy. Uh, and, and when we're looking at high cost you know, cities, uh, you know, small businesses are operating on even smaller margins. That's why we're seeing a lot of the big job losses you know, in, in some of these coastal cities. Uh, so, so I think it was really important. Um, obviously, more needs to be done. And uh, the money went quickly. But, but yeah, it was good first effort, I guess, overall. I agree. It's, it's interesting
2: to see the average loan size was just under two hundred and forty thousand uh, dollars. And and one thing I was reading earlier today in the uh, deal book that the New York Times does is that even these big restaurant chains like Potbelly and Ruth Chris Steakhouses, uh, who clearly have more than five hundred employees, are are exempt from the from the size limit, which I thought was interesting. And then for all the shake shack fans out there the uh, they return 10 million from their program um, because uh, they're gonna try and raise money in uh, in the stock market instead but it seems like uh, some some industries are, are benefiting more from, from the small business loan and it'll be interesting to see um, how they're able to add an, if they're able to add another 250 billion and uh, where that goes, and if they have any caveats that it must go to you know hospitals or to certain areas or industries, um, but more to come on that i'm sure
1: yeah and and there's also gonna be other elements too I mean we can look at the cares act which which is looking at you know debt relief uh you know businesses that are holding non disaster loans um you know there's the small business debt relief program um so there's other elements too um, as we're looking at ways to help out small businesses and, and, and we'll see how, we'll see how all that rolls out. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, functionally, I mean, it ran out of money and uh, and, and we'll have to, we'll have to look at in other phases. The, one of the most interesting things about uh, I think is, is when we're looking at retirement. Um, so, I mean, the most, one of the more startling things is when you're looking at this recent Morningstar analysis, you know, only 5.6% of people, you know, who had enrolled in a 401k plan had changed their portfolio allocations in the first three months of of 2020. So that seems um, pretty wild. And really contrary to a lot of the investor behaviors, you know, we might think of such as loss aversion or or, or, or name any of these these human uh, you know herding or name any of these psychological components where you know people usually follow the herd um, you know and, and and get emotional at the the earliest start of the investment roller coaster so so that's pretty interesting that people really stayed steady so yeah that it is interesting so let me
2: ask you a question on that is so do you think people were, were too late to move into maybe money markets um, and they already had lost such a significant amount, so they were gonna weather the storm? Or, or do you think a large number of people realize that the 401k is really a long-term investment vehicle um, and that you really have such a essential long time since retirement that they didn't decided not to, uh, to change it because they know that they're not gonna retire for say another 30 or 40 years? Well,
1: I think we've got the benefit of I mean, having the last recession wasn't that long ago, right? I mean, 11 years ago when the scale of things, especially in the work cycle, you know, a lot of people remember the lessons of the Great Recession, uh, even if they weren't in the workforce now that they're in the workforce. You know, there's been no shortage of analysis or, or people giving the advice that you know, knowledge cost averaging becomes very important, right? When, when the market's selling off. So, I mean, yeah, sure, the median 401k, you know, has lost, what it lost was 11.2% of its value during the first quarter. Uh, But a lot of participants were actually minimizing their losses by dollar cost averaging. And they're, they're buying in as, as the things dropping. So, um, and, and they're not, they're not tweaking their portfolios much. So, I mean, that's the way, that's the best way to, you know, kind of maintain, maintain these returns. It's, it's, it's tough to have a, you know, a, a, you know, a gut like that initially and, and to walk through all these things. But I think there's, been enough literature and analysis uh, since 2008 that people have a better understanding of how they should react and how they should uh, be fighting fighting their their own psychology in a way
2: right yeah instead of locking in those gains after we see the markets already already significantly dropped and if we think about the the rally that we've had here in, in April you know we're not fully up to uh, uh, fully positive for year to date but you know we, we have seen a lot of these uh, these funds rally, so it's uh, it's good to see that people are uh, not not doing the hurting mentality as you mentioned, and I, I think that's absolutely right. With the literature of uh, what we saw in, in 2008, um, as we mentioned a couple podcasts ago, this we may be the uh, we may have the uh, <clears throat> generation of the savers upon us.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, the other important thing is empower retirement. You know, which administrates plans of you know 9.4 million uh participants you know from from february 24th to a month in so over that 30 days uh, only 16% of people on that platform logged in to check their balances so i think people you know realize too that it's uh you know looking doesn't help anything It's just it just makes you uh more nervous it just hurts <laughs> yeah so uh not logging in can sometimes be the best the best strategy but but that's that's really where we're at, where people have really stayed the course. Uh, I, we should also mention um, CBO, you know, on the budget deficit. So there's certainly going to be – I mean, debt to GDP has been a, a problem in the United States. That's, that's been growing at a rapid rate. But, you know, the coronavirus is forecast as well. The U.S. federal budget deficit uh, by $1.6 in This fiscal year—that's—that's that's due to the research of the Congressional Budget Office um, this last Thursday. So we don't really have updated projections for the deficit uh, in the 12 months through through September, but but this fiscal year, um, it certainly certainly will make it one of the biggest by measure since uh, World War II.
2: Oh, absolutely! If we think about deficits, we're already increasing uh, under President Trump, who. Uh, <laughs> who, side note, said he was going to eliminate the entire national debt within eight years. Um, so he, he's, he's setting himself up for a, a pretty epic comeback, if, if that were the case. But we, we saw the the rising gaps, really, because the increase in spending and then also the lower revenue, as we saw the the uh, tax cut in 2018 uh, take effect. So more money going out, less money coming in. Uh, so the deficit was was already growing. And and now, uh, I think you're absolutely right. This year, we'll, we'll continue to see that in inc- increase pretty drastically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, one of the big things, of course, is even with the larger supply, there's still an investor appetite for U.S. Treasury. So unless something systematically changes on that front, um, you know, that's, I think it's going to continue as business as usual as long as you know, we have higher yields relative to to other places in the del- developed world, you know, and we're, we're, you know, trying to do this balancing act between credit risk and uh, between yield. Um, you know, it's just, it's just funny. There hasn't been a systematic change in, in those dynamics, uh, despite everything.
2: Yeah. And I think our, if we look around the rest of the world, we, we will continue to have a, uh, Strong yields, and, and we see that the uh, uh, Treasuries from receiving massive purchases from the Fed, uh, from the Fed, um, which also has kept yields low. So maybe once they begin um, to to sell, that may increase the increase the yield.
1: Yeah, I guess um, we should kind of you know hop on on, maybe talk about uh, other things to look at. Um, you know, for me, I know I've been I've been looking at. Kind of America's clean energy workforce. Um, right now, the projection for that is to fall, you know, by 50% in months ahead. Uh, so while there's been definitely, you know, a, a, a tough, tough time for regular energy sector, clean energy is also is also really hurting. Um, you know, last month, 106,000 people who are working in the clean energy roles uh, filed for Unemployment benefits, the government analysis kind of indicates that maybe 15% of the se- uh, sector will lose their jobs unless there's you know large, large actions taken to kind of remedy that. Um, so, so that sector is definitely something I'll be looking at. I know you were discussing kind of the virtual drafts that have been going on. I saw the NFL's uh, virtual mock draft was a real disaster today. Uh, so maybe we talk about that a little bit, and uh, you know the dynamics, of, the dynamics of, of of sports right now.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's really interesting to to see it all. Uh, so the NFL draft is this Thursday, and I think it's the uh, the first sporting event we'll have here in six seven weeks, because now uh, you know hockey, baseball, and um, uh, and basketball have all been on hold here, um, waiting for the seasons to end, and so. I think I've seen more ads for the NFL Draft than I can remember in recent years, just because it's really the only, uh, only sporting event. But uh, teams are going to draft on Thursday, and it's really a big, big uh, revenue hole um, for for the city that it was going to be based in, because uh, you know last year it was in Nashville and they generated 133 million in, in direct spending, and then maybe another 74 just with with people visiting Nashville. Um, but you know, so it, it's a huge revenue source you have all the kids up there with all their suits and um, and getting drafted. It's just pretty wild that everything's going to be virtual. You have all the different teams setting up. We saw uh, John Lynch of the Niners had about 45 screens and, and 10 phones set up in his house. So he's always accessible. But then you have people like uh, Gettleman over there on the New York Giants who has his binder and, and only his laptop screen and his cell phone. So it'd be interesting to see. I think it'll expose a, a lot of teams. Uh, you know, overall I, the sports coming to a screeching hole has had I think a pretty drastic impact as we think about all the people who have who are employed for concessions ticket sales uh, everything like that for them to come to a screeching halt. I know Mark Cuban uh, has has really helped with a lot of people he's the owner of the Mavericks to uh, continue to pay people's salaries through this but um, overall I, I think it's interesting to see how Baseball and basketball and hockey are all trying to come out with different plans where maybe they'll play games and, and with no fans in the stands or they'll all go down to Arizona to, to play Arizona and Florida to play baseball and just those different leagues. Um, and just overall how that has uh, impacted uh, a lot of people who are, who are watching TV. Uh, one thing that I'll be also looking for is we're seeing that uh, a lot of the streaming services, so uh, Netflix, Disney, uh, and a couple other really large streaming will report earnings this week. So it'll be interesting to see if there's a huge spike in uh, streaming services and, and viewers. I'm, I'm sure there will be as everyone's watching everything on Netflix. I think everyone ran out of so much to watch on Netflix. They're transitioning to uh, to shows in, in Spanish and
0: not in
2: other languages. But uh, you know, overall, I, I'm, I'm personally excited for the draft. I think it's always fun. Um, but it's just interesting to see if you really take a look at how how much revenue all these major sports bring in, and, and the loss of that is, is pretty
1: drastic. Yeah, we can only talk about the Tiger King so much, uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, one one good thing on good news is, I mean, the PGA Tour, you know, on Thursday, uh, they had a pretty robust plan to try and resume the season the second week of June. So I know. You know, in terms of, you know, golf fans, that's good news. Obviously, the nature of the sport allows for a little bit more social distancing uh, as you're in the great outdoors, so to speak. But slowly but surely, I think things are going to, um, you know, come to fruition. I mean, whether that's virtual for some sports or whether it's, you know, quasi business as usual. But, but yeah, it's that certainly, certainly going to be interesting to watch out these leagues, you know work with the drafts and, and and work to you know get back get back on a schedule open up to the public um, but yeah i think i think with that um you know at the top of our time here thank you all for listening stay safe out there
0: and we're out the information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of wealth the mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WealthFest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthFest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthFest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked in any of the content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice.